Welcome back to our study on the model prayer. I'm so grateful to God that Jesus gave us this prayer as a model to look at, to teach us how to pray. In fact, in the parallel text over in Luke chapter 11, this really was Jesus' answer to the question, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And so we're learning how to pray and we're learning it from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look today at God's name. God's name is holy. God's name is high and lifted up. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six saw the Lord. The king had just died. The throne was empty on the earth, but the throne was occupied in heaven. And here he saw this glorious God, high and lifted up, and he worshiped him. That's what it means to talk to God and to say, hallowed be your name. Make your name holy. May God bless you as we study the holy name of God. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored. Honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us, deliver us from After the invocation that Jesus teaches us in the model prayer, our Father in heaven, we get right down to business about how to simply, directly, and confidently take our petitions to God in prayer. But the first section of those petitions really are not about man and his need as much as they are about God and his glory. This is clear, very clear, from the first of the petitions, hallowed be your name. This starts by teaching us, indeed, that prayer is about God and His glory, not about us and our needs. And we should begin our prayers not by giving God a laundry list of personal requests. We should pray about the things that matter to God. And the fact that His name is to be honored, reverenced, and treated as holy should be the ultimate priority in our prayers. I believe the first petition is in practical terms teaching us that the purpose of prayer is not merely the answer that you may receive to prayer. The purpose of prayer is the glory of God. And this is not something to be tacked on at the end after we get what we want in prayer. The real priority of prayer is what does God want in prayer? God wants his name to be honored. His name is to be treated with the reverence and respect that it deserves. And so it is appropriate to begin our prayers. Before we get to the matters that may move us to prayer, that are heavy on our hearts, to remember who God is, his greatness, his goodness, and his graciousness. And really, when you begin by focusing on God, it really does fuel the rest of your prayer life as you are reminded confidently who God is, his nature, his character, his authority, you can pray with confidence that God is willing to hear and able to answer prayer. It's really interesting that Satan um, tempted Adam and Eve at this very point. When you look at the temptation in the garden, he didn't start off by saying, hey, I got this really good deal for you. What he began doing was separating them from their worship because hallowedness really is about worship. And so he, he gets their minds off of a continual worship of God who they walked with in the cool of the day. They walked with unhindered 
There was no sin, no separation. But Satan knew in order to get them to bite the fruit, he had to first get them to stop worshiping. And so worship is critical to prayer. And, and it, just on a practical note, I will often forget this and dive straight into whatever my prayers are. But at times I, when I remember, I stop, I take a deep breath and I begin just worshiping the Lord or I listen to music to worship, to the Lord, worship the Lord. And it really helps remind me who he is, what he has done for me. And it also builds a defense against Satan's attack that, uh, that when my prayers become consumed with me or some object in my life, uh, I have to remember that, uh, that, that, that the enemy always wants to separate me from God. And the first tactic he uses is to keep me or drive me away or pull me away from worship and, and to hallow his name. Well, first of all, the name of God is, uh, is important revelation of himself. You go through the Old Testament and they're, they're kind of, obviously God's name is, is Jehovah in the English or Yahweh. Most people have heard that. So holy that the Jews wouldn't pronounce it. That, that name was that holy. So when you get to the Ten Commandments and you have a commandment about honoring God's name and not taking it in vain, it, it's, it's much more than just don't cuss, you know, don't use the Lord's name in a, in a vain expression. It literally means much more, and particularly to Israel, because they were called by his name. So Israel now took the name of their God, their deity. They were God's people. So throughout the Old Testament, as God unveils kind of these various names, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shammah, they all have significance, and God is revealing a part of his character to Israel. So when you come to this phrase, in the Lord's Prayer, it picks up this whole imagery of the Old Testament about the name of God and the names of God because they reflect his character. So when, when I pray, hallowed or honored be your name, I'm not giving God permission for his name to be holy. His name is holy whether I think it is or not. In fact, there are angelic beings whose only creative purpose is to cry out, holy, holy, holy throughout all of eternity. So. God doesn't need my permission for his name to be holy. And it's not just simply saying, well, as far as I'm concerned, it's okay if your name is holy. We're asking God to hallow or honor his name in our lives. So this is really a commitment of life. It's more than just a mouthing of a phrase. So as I think through this prayer, it's a part of kind of my own prayer strategy. And I leave, the, you know, I leave my house in the morning. I say, Father, don't let me say or do anything today that would bring dishonor to your name. I want you to hallow your name in my life. I want you to manifest your character in my life. So I tell people, you know, but before you stop at the cleaners and nuke the lady's head because they ruined your one good shirt or blouse, you gotta think, is it worth my dad's reputation? Is it worth my father's name? Because we manifest and bear his name. That's the way he honors his name in our world today is through our life, our behavior, and our attitude. So when I pray that phrase, I'm not thinking just about God's name as holy, and, and it is. And it's not just an adoration of praise, and it is, but it's also an acceptance of responsibility. And that is that I now bear your name. I'm a Christian. I bear the name of Christ. I bear the name of our Father. When I pray, and I pray that part of the Lord's Prayer, I always go back to some of the Old Testament names of God. And the names of God really refer to the attributes of God. 
Uh, for instance, Jehovah Nisi, he is the Lord my banner. He fights for me while I keep silent. Uh, the, he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord my healer. And I'll, I'll start praying scriptures like, uh, you pardon all of my iniquities, you heal all of my diseases, you redeem my life from the pit. I pray that in all respects I will prosper, be in good health, just as my soul prospers. So I always, when I pray that part of the prayer, hallowed be thy name, I take the names of God and I point out the attributes of God, connect them with the scripture and pray those scriptures back to God. You know, when you think about the Lord's Prayer and you think about that, that declaration to hallowed be your name, which is just make your name great, make your name holy, it's just causing us to recognize again who God is. Uh, it's, it's taking that time before we go into petition and asking for things and, and, and presenting our, our list of needs before the Lord, it's simply saying, I'm going to start first by really, truly locking in on who God is. So you, we say, how be your name? We start thinking about the name of God. And just imagine if someone was, who was, you know, took time every day to just go through the, the names of God or took time to just go through the alphabet and just begin to declare, you know, you know the, who God is, you know, you know, God, you're awesome, or God, you know, Jesus, you're beautiful, or you're the Christ, or you're the deliverer, or you're the everlasting one, or you're faithful. Good night, you could go from A to Z, and by the time you're done, oh, you, you had a needs list for sure, but you've so declared how great God is because you're recognizing his great name that you're like, I probably don't even have to mention those things. He's got them all taken care of because I recognize his name. And there's something special about the name of God. Uh, you know, everywhere his name goes, his presence goes. And he doesn't go anywhere where he's not invited. He's a gentleman. And you, and you go back even to the book of Malachi, you're building a theology of prayer and under a biblical foundation for the necessity of prayer and God's presence. You realize that in Malachi, he says, my name will be great Every, among the nations, everywhere where incense is offered to my name. You go to the book of Psalms, you go to the book of Revelation, the incense that's offered to his name is the prayers of the saints. And so everywhere where his name is honored, his name is hallowed, his name is lifted up nonstop, he's there in the midst. So there's something powerful about the name of our God. And if we were, that's a place, that's when we pray, it's, just, it's time to like say, time out, I'm gonna linger here. I'm gonna press pause and just running through this quickly. I'm just gonna think about deeply, not rush, not deeply who God is by concentrating on his name. So hallowed, honored uh, be your name is another idea of being holy. So holy is your name. And uh, not only in the Old Testament we see that God's name is holy, but in the New Testament, uh, we're commanded not only to hold the name of God holy, but we're to live holy lives. And so I think as we're praying about the character of God, it reminds us about the character of ourself. And so it's an acknowledgement. This is the beautiful thing about how Jesus gives us this model. Our Father who art in heaven, holy be your name. And I think it's a wonderful reminder for us to mimic the character of God, right? So Jesus, as the perfect example, not only expects us to live holy, but in turn, he's already lived it. So he emulated and turn what he expects from us to do. And so I think it's a wonderful way just to remind us as we begin to pray that God is God and we are not. And there's this wonderful dependence upon God at the very beginning of our prayers. We first of all know that God is holy. And so when we pray to God and we ask him to make his name holy, we're in a sense wanting to magnify and proclaim uh, who he is and what he is already like. 
the fact of the matter is people have so many confusing views about who God is and what God is like. And so for us to declare his holiness is to acknowledge who he is in reality. And in fact, again, some theologians would call holiness the supreme attribute of who God is. I prefer to put it together as holy love, but certainly God's holiness, his utter uh, separation from his creation in terms of his person, uh, his utter separation from anything sinful uh, is a hallmark of his very character and nature. And we can't make him holy, but we can acknowledge that he is holy and we can proclaim that. Well, in a very real sense, we're not asking God to make his name holy. We are asking God to um, glorify his name through us. There's a difference. It's not like we ascribe holiness or give glory to God. We simply recognize that it's there. You know, before we ever get to asking God anything, it's like we have to posture ourselves before the holiness of God, which is the, the, the point, the glory of God, which is the point of, of our whole existence. I mean, what is the, the chief end of man? It is to glorify God. Why did God create the world? He created it to glorify himself. What's his main motive in saving us? It is to bring him glory. It is when I have found the, 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 um, the surrender and the posture of submission that comes from saying, God, you are holy, that I am in a, if I could say it this way, safe place to begin to pray the other request. Otherwise, I turn God into this like essentially, you know, shopping list and I've, you know, here's a list of a catalog of needs. Um, in order to, to ask properly, there has to be the proper posture before God, and that starts with understanding that he is Father. It also continues with understanding that he is holy in the point of my whole life, that whether I'm eating or drinking or asking for prayer requests or whatever it is, then all things, it's to give glory to God. When Jesus gave us the model prayer, uh, he never said, pray this prayer. In fact, nobody in the New Testament prays this prayer. Even Jesus never praised the prayer. Instead, he said, pray, here's how you should pray. Or in one version, he said, pray like this. So when I come to this part of the prayer, and I've been praying the model prayer as a model or a guide for my own prayer life for more than 25 years every day. And when I come to this part, our Father who art in heaven or who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's really us expressing praise. That's saying, Lord, you are holy. And I just wanna pause at the very beginning and say, Lord, I love you because you're holy. And that gives us kind of a springboard into all kinds of other ways of praising God for his attributes and characteristics. One of the things that you notice right off the bat when you start praying uh, the model prayer or using it as a guide for your prayer life is that praying to God as your Father and then saying, God, you are holy. That immediately puts prayer as a God-centered exercise. Instead of rushing into God's presence with our long list of burdens, anxieties, and needs, we're first and foremost acknowledging the bigness and the greatness and the wonder of God. And by declaring His holiness, that's just a starting place. You can all, Go from there, you're holy, you're righteous, you're wonderful, you're full of love, you're full of mercy. So that is a real great place to just start your prayer life, your daily prayer experience by acknowledging who God is and giving him praise. I love the idea of that divine dichotomy of God as heavenly father, him being perfectly approachable, but him being creator, king of the universe, him being 
perfectly other than. He is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy. Reminds me of, you know, John in the Gospel of John, how he was able to lean against the breast of Christ at the Last Supper, so that denotes that intimate relationship. But then in Revelation, how when he saw glorified Jesus, he fell as though dead, totally discombobulated. And there's something about acknowledging God as Father and acknowledging his absolute holiness that I think keeps my heart in that appropriate context of relationship and awe, that he's my dad, but he is the king of all kings. We as human beings praise the things that we love. I mean, we do it naturally. You know, you have a great ice cream flavor. You're going to praise it to somebody. Um, your dog does something awesome. You're going to praise the dog. Your kids, the things that we love and that we find praiseworthy, we are naturally going to praise. So if we find ourselves feeling awkward about adoring God in prayer, then that communicates something about our heart, that at some point we have ceased to, or maybe we never really have reflected on the Lord enough to find him truly praiseworthy. Uh, this is a, a bad thing for us, but it's something that we should recognize and something that we can actually discipline ourselves about. So one of the things that we do if we recognize that praise is not naturally bubbling up for us, we don't just give up and say, well, I guess I'm done praying. No, we don't do that at all. We recognize that even though we've been saved in Christ, adopted in the family of God, there is still an undercurrent of sin that exists inside of every human heart. This is one of the reasons that we have to discipline ourselves is because we are changed and yet not completely changed into the image of Jesus. So one of the ways that we do that is by exercising the muscle of adoration. Um, one of the most helpful ways that we can do this is to just start with remembering. Start with gratitude. Think about the, all the ways, whether we recognize them or not, that the Lord provides for us, cares for us, the way that he treats us every single day. And don't just let those go unspoken. In our prayers, we bring those to mind. And then along with specific instances uh, in remembering the way that the Lord has cared for us, we can praise a particular attribute of God along with that. So we would say something simple like, Lord, you protected me on the way to work today. I commuted 45 minutes, 15 whole miles in a vehicle going 75 miles an hour with a piece of cloth around my chest. And you protected me all the way. So Lord, I praise you because you are my protector. It's not this seatbelt, it's you. You protected me. So we can integrate that very practically into our prayers. And as we do, I think what we'll find is that Praise becomes more and more natural. Adoration becomes part of the language with which we speak to God on a daily basis. Well, for me, I'll be honest, adoration is probably one of the harder parts of prayer for me. Um, I think for many of us, it's easy to come with our list of, Lord, this is what I need help. Lord, this is who needs help. This is what I need. This I need wisdom. I need direction. And I can even move into thanksgiving and thanking him for all of the things that he's given me. But when you move into adoration, that's really all about who he is, which is even different than what he does for us, uh, what he can give us. And there are times where I get, I kind of run out of my words to use. And so one thing that I'll do is I'll go to the Psalms because the psalmist, well, first of all, you know that you're praying back the word of God 
But second, you have the psalmists who are reminding us of his attributes, reminding us of his qualities, who he is. And so I can know that when I'm praying those back, that whether it's God's holiness or his justice or his goodness or his provision or what, whatever it is, whatever the attribute might be, or, or his omniscience, you know, all of that. Um, sometimes the Psalms gives me words that I wouldn't be able to have myself. And so that's one way that I, if I get stuck, I tend to use um, that part of the scripture to get me into that rhythm of adoration in my prayer life. When we think about praying to God, we have adoration that we want to adore Him. It's not just a stagnant relationship of give me this and give me that. It's a real adoration that we want to say, Lord, we adore you. You're amazing. You're incredible. And a lot of times when we think of adoring something, it's something small and cute, and we're going to adore this baby or adore this little figurine or whatever it is. This adoration is huge. It's the largest it can get. It's God. So when we grow in our knowledge of Him through prayer, go through our knowledge of Him through Bible study, the more we know Him, the more we will adore Him. And so we've got those two connected. So I'm discovering who God is through prayer. I'm trusting Him to provide for me and to protect me. And as I trust Him with that, I get to know Him better in His character. Now I'm blown away by it. I see His character and I, I can't do anything but adore Him. And it's so crucial in prayer to stop because adoration has a focus to it. Adoration has a, a slowness to it. And we live in a tremendously misfocused or overly focused, we could say, hectic world. Our phone's buzzing. We're looking at this screen and that screen. Somebody walked in. Somebody's calling. There's just, it's really hard to focus. But when we get to know God and we begin to adore Him in prayer and say, Lord, You're amazing. You're great. You're wonderful. What a blessing. How much grace could I have? What a great thing that I get to know You. That focuses me. And that focus then makes me realize my knowledge of Him and the greatness of who He is. And now I begin to adore Him in my heart as well.